Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're about to experience the life-giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman, Let's say our confession of faith together. I am unconditionally loved by God and at harvest. I come to him just as I am, but I won't stay as I am because the message I'm prepared to receive will make me more like the great I am. I am blessed and I am favored in Jesus' name. All of you remain standing. I want to go to James chapter 4. Last week, we started talking about uh, making sure our mentality was tough, and this week, we're going to deal uh, with prayer. Uh, sometimes... We can be disappointed in prayer, and I want to give you some practical tools today so your prayers can be tough. Look at the neighbor and say, that's what needs to happen today. James chapter 4, and I want you to look at verse number 3. It says this, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. Now, amiss means you have the wrong motives when you pray, and you pray the wrong prayers. Which means then what we say and what we pray the motive behind it is just as important as what we say and what we pray. He says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss with the wrong motives and you pray the wrong prayers that you might spend it on your pleasures. King James says it like this, that you might consume it with your own selfish lust. In other words, he says, you've been praying and you don't see nothing happening. You've been hoping and wishing and you ain't seeing nothing happening. He said, but the reason is not because God didn't hear but because you had the wrong motives and you prayed the wrong prayer. But what I love about God is that wherever it may have been bad, if you'll keep on reading, there is a test. Somebody say, there is a test. Because today we're going to get that thing turned around in your life today. I dare you to look over at your neighbor and say, today, every prayer that needs to become tough, it happens today. Tell them from this moment forward, expect your prayers to be answered because you're going to have the right motives and you're going to pray the right prayers in Jesus name 
Father, I decrease that you might increase now. Speak in this house today, Father. Move by your spirit over these next few moments, Father. I not only decrease that you might increase, but I pray that the ears of your people would be open so that they would not only hear this word, but they would also do this word that they're getting ready to hear. Father, I pray that the grace to do would be released in this place. Not just to hear the word, but to do the word today. Father, we break every spirit of discouragement in this place. We break every spirit of depression in this place. We break every spirit that makes people want to even not pray because they don't think it works. No, prayer works. We just got to pray with the right motive and we got to pray the right prayer. And today, I announce a shift in the lives of your people as it pertains to their prayers. And Father, we've, I said I announce a shift today in the lives of your people as it relates to their prayer. And from this moment forward, we're going to expect great things. We're going to have great expectation of great manifestation from you. And we thank you that it is so. In Jesus' name, somebody shout hallelujah. As you take your seat, high five, two or three people, tell them that's the wrong prayer. That's the wrong prayer. And we're going to help them get to the right prayer in just a moment. You can be seated. Uh, as you know, we are in the convergence of our nine-year anniversary since our church began from scratch in a place that they often call the church planner's graveyard. This is also the month of the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost was released to the church. And this is also the month of our Harvest Conference. I don't know about you, but I got great expectations. Somebody say, I have great expectations. And here's why you ought to have great expectations. Whenever something comes to try to silence your praise and to silence your worship, and whenever drama shows up and whenever issues show up, you ought to start shouting because that's your indication that something great is getting ready to manifest. Giants only show up in the promised land, which means if you've had some problems show up, you ought to be the one shouting the most in the church because that means something great's getting ready to manifest. Touch your neighbor and say, I can feel it. And the reason I can feel it is because I can look at all the hell that's been trying to be thrown at me. And I can look at the discouragement that's been thrown at me. Who am I preaching to? And I can look at the issues that have been thrown at me. But that ain't going to make me back down. That's going to make me stand tall. Why? Be Tell the neighbor, say, sure, you're right. Now, 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 now. I want to make sure you miss it because I talk real fast. Whenever you see trouble show up as a Christian, and if you're not a Christian, in just a moment, you're going to beat one. When you're a Christian, whenever trouble shows up, trouble is just there to challenge the reality of the word that's been spoken over your life. Well, this year it's been spoken over your life that you are in a surge, a sudden and powerful forward or upward movement, which means if trouble's coming, trouble is just there to try to get you to doubt your surge. But I'm here to tell somebody, you better not start doubting now. You're in the month of five, which is the number of grace and favor and supernatural. Touch your neighbor say, don't you doubt now. You've come way too far to turn around now. You've come way too far to back down now. Now watch this. Tell, tell. Somebody say tell. Tell is the Hebrew word for the number nine, and it means it's good. Somebody shout, it's good. I said shout it, not say it loud. Well, Bishop, it looks bad. You don't understand what I just told you. Say, it's good. The scripture says he calls things that be not as though they were, which means even if it looks bad, you got to sometimes have the faith in you to say, but it's good. Even if it don't feel good, you got to look at it and say, but it's good. How do I know? And we know that he makes all things work together for the good of them that love him. Touch your neighbor and say, I sure do love him. Which means it's good. Somebody say it's good. So if the doctor says they don't know what they're going to do, it's good. If somebody say they're walking out on you, it's good. If they tell you your money's funny and your change is strange, it's good. Somebody say it's good. 
Now, last week, I taught you three principles to make your mentality tough or good so your reality can be tough, which means good, because if you keep thinking the way you used to think, you'll keep doing the things you used to do. And I think there are some people in here that are sick of repeating the same cycles of their life. It ought to be something in you that says, you may have gotten my mama and her mama, you may have gotten my daddy and his daddy, but I'm the interruption to the dysfunction in my bloodline. Something in you has to be sick of the same old cycles in life. I know it is because you got up this morning and said, I don't care nothing about no snowstorm, I'm getting in the church. I, I might be coming in, I might be a little wet, but I bet you I'm going to be there because I've come too far to let my life fall apart now. And I'm sick of the same cycles. I'm sick of the same junk. I'm sick of crying about the same thing over. Where are those people at? Where are the sick and tired of being sick and tired people at? Because those are the people that experience breakthrough. Touch your neighbor say, I'm sick of that. It's some stuff you ain't going to change until you get sick and tired of it. And that's why God keeps throwing it in your face. He keeps throwing it in your face because he's saying, when you going to be mad about it? When you going to get upset about that? When are you going to do something about that? And I love God because God says, I'm throwing it in your face to taunt you. I'm throwing it in your face so you get frustrated with it. So you do something about it and check. Where are the frustrated people out in here that say, God, I'm thankful for everything you've done. But there's got to be more to this. Watch this. So watch this. This week, I want to teach you how to make your prayers tough. Because if you pray the wrong thing, you'll have the wrong expectation and you'll be frustrated with the manifestation. Let's be honest. How many of us have prayed for something and it didn't happen and we got frustrated? Come on, let's be honest. How many of us have prayed for something and we got an answer, but it wasn't the answer we prayed for? And then you got frustrated. And then how many of us never like, well, I ain't praying no more then? Be honest. You know the little temper tantrum you throw with God? Well, for a moment there, you think you're his equal. And you think that way because you make yourself in opposition to him. I ain't praying. I ain't praising. I ain't going to church today. And God is like, oh, really? Okay. Well, I'll let him turn the heat up then. It got real quiet right there. Touch your neighbor say, don't play with the Lord like that. Now, no, 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 no. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. If we pray the wrong thing, we'll have the wrong expectation. And the difference between what we expect and what we receive, the chasm between the two is called frustration. Got it? And some people are very frustrated because they say, Bishop, I pray and it doesn't seem like it's working. I pray and, it and what I ask for doesn't seem to happen. What's wrong? Well, I'm here to tell you, James told us that you ask and you don't have because you ask with the wrong motives and you pray the wrong prayers. So now you're frustrated, but God says, but who told you to pray that? Most of the times, a lot of the stuff we pray, we got from people that got some from somebody, that got some from somebody, that got some from somebody, and they couldn't read. So I'm going to give you five things that you and I have probably prayed that have been the wrong prayer. So we've had the wrong expectation. And then when we juxtapose that to the manifestation, the difference between the two made us frustrated. But frustration is an awesome emotion if you can harness it because it will be a catalyst for change. You miss what I just said? Frustration is a great emotion if you handle it properly because it will be a catalyst for change. I just told you, there are certain things God keeps throwing in your face. No matter how much you try to run away from it, no matter how much you try to put your head back here, God says, I'm going to keep throwing it in your face because I want you to get mad about it because I want you to fix it. 
And the good news is, is that means, watch this, that means God believes you've got what it takes to get the job done. Doesn't ever say, you do have what it takes. All right, now, 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 five prayers I want to give us. Five prayers I want to give us. The first one is this. Praying against your enemies is the wrong prayer. Now, we've all prayed against our enemies. Lord, cut them. Be honest. Lord, hurt them. Lord, you know, touch. Lay hands, Lord. But like real hands, like for real hands, though, Lord. Like, we've all done that. Or we tried to cloak it and make it spiritual. Like, you know, Lord, just let them see the error in their ways against me. For they have sinned against it, me. And they did come against the holy kingdom of the Lord. Touch them, Lord. Now, here's the deal. Come, let's be honest. How many of us have prayed against our enemies? Let's be honest. How many of you wanted the Lord to get them? Come on, let's just be real honest. Be real honest about it. Like, how many, like, you wanted the Lord, like, you wanted to watch the news that night? Now, come on, be honest with me. See, if you can't be honest, you can't get healed from what, from what you won't allow to be revealed. And then how many times, if, watch this, let me prove it to you. If something negative happened to him, you were like, mm-hmm. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. Party was like, you know, who's God? <laughs> like, well, if God be for me. <laughs> now, here's the truth. If God be for you. They got to be crazy. But God doesn't tell us to pray against them. Look what he says. Matthew 5, says this. This is Jesus talking. Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies. Wow. <laughs> Bless those who curse you and lie on you and make up stuff about you and create their own story about you. And since they can't find nothing wrong with you, they make up something false about you. I'm going to help somebody in here. And do good to those that are your haters. And pray for those who spitefully use you, which means they know what they're doing. And them that persecute you. Touch your neighbor and say, that's tough. But, but Jesus said, I want you to pray for them. He said, because watch this. He said, watch this. Don't pray against your enemies. Instead, pray for your enemies. Don't pray on your enemies. Instead, pray for your enemies. Now, what's an enemy, Bishop? An enemy is a noun, which is the person, place, thing, or idea that opposes your forward progress. And in fact, an enemy is your greatest asset. Just your neighbor says it's your greatest asset. Because watch this. The scripture says no weapon formed against you would prosper. Now, check this out. Uh, now, a couple of things about that verse. Number one, it says no weapon formed will prosper, which means God says, I need you to see that they formed it. He said, but then I need you to look at it and watch that it ain't going to take you out. I said this on Wednesday. The gun might be there, but ain't no bullets. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Now, what's the significance of the weapon? You don't form a weapon for something you don't see as a threat. Which means your enemies are really your best asset because weapons are only formed against something that's valuable. Which means when you find out what people hate about you, now you can start getting excited because you just found out what makes you valuable. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. When you find out how your greatest attack comes in life, that's when you should start shouting because now you can say, I found out what makes the enemy scared of me. I found out what makes him scared of my existence. I found out while well, since I was a child, he's been trying to get me messed up and get me off course. Touch your neighbor and say, I found out.
which means when you see an enemy, you ought to start doing market research. They said, now tell me what it is that they said. Not because I care. I just want to know what it is that hell fears about me. And then when you hear them talking about you, walk over there and say, I know you've been talking about me. I just want to tell you, thank you. The reason I want to thank you is because you just proved to me that there is greatness on the inside of me that I didn't know I had in my soul. And I ain't praying against you. I'm praying for you. So next time you see an enemy, tell them, thank you. There's a, there's a comedian has a late night show. And he writes these thank you letters. And sometimes you just need to look at some enemies and say, thank you. You showed me that I'm really going to be great. Thieves don't break into empty vaults. Just an enemy said, there's something great in you. Now, now, now watch this. Jesus said, I want you to pray. I want you to pray. I want you to pray. I want you to pray for them. Because watch this. If you don't pray for them. I might get mad and I might hurt them. In fact, in fact, in Romans, the scripture says, the scripture says that when we pray for and do well to our enemies, et cetera, et cetera, it says that the Lord, uh, that he, it heaps hot coals on their head. I'm going to just be honest with you. Sometimes I follow this principle just so the coals can be dropped. Pray for me. But he doesn't quote, the writer of Romans doesn't quote the full scripture from Proverbs because the full scripture from Proverbs that he's quoting where he says that when you do this, they'll put the scripture in Romans up. They'll do it now real quickly in just a moment. Uh, they'll put that scripture up for you in Romans. He's quoting and he says, listen, when you do good to those that do evil to you and when you pray for your enemies, etc., he says that, listen, that, that you're going to heap hot coals of fire on his head. Now, he's quoting from Proverbs, but watch this. He doesn't read the entire quote because if you read the rest of the quote from Proverbs, it says, and the Lord will reward you. Which means when you pray for your enemies, God says, there is a reward that I was holding back. Proverbs 25, 23, you see it? For so you will weep coals of fire on his head. You read it. Which means today before you lead this church, every enemy you know about, you're going to pray for. And you ain't going to pray nothing but negative to happen to them. You're going to pray for some good stuff to happen for them. And the Bible says when you do that, the Lord himself is going to reward. Which means there's some bills going to get canceled this week because you prayed for your enemies. There's some credit getting ready to turn around this week because you prayed for your enemies. Second, second prayer. Second prayer. Praying for your own vision is the wrong prayer. Sometimes we pray like this. Lord, I want this. Lord, I want that. Lord, do this for me. Lord, I want this business. Lord, I want this family. Lord, I want this man. Lord, I want this woman. Lord, I want this. Lord, I want that. Your prayer is the wrong prayer because you're in violation of the principle and the precedent of Scripture. Bishop, what do you mean? Luke 16, 12 says this. And if you have not been faithful in what is a, another man's, who will give you what is your own? Check this out. Asking for your own vision of any kind and you haven't built another man's vision is the wrong prayer. You missed it. And if you have been faithful, watch this. Because some of you are saying, Bishop, is this just in church? No, it's everywhere, but it's, it's also in church. Does your neighbor say it's in church? So you asking God to build your business, and you're not building his church? He's not interested in your business. Do you see this? But I got my own thing going on, and God is like, I ain't got nothing to do with that. Build another man's first. 
I'm not standing up here just because one day I decided I'm going to do something. I gave my life to building other men's, and I built them well. So then God says, now I want to give you. I didn't even ask for my own. He gave me my own because I was faithful with somebody else's. Now, watch this. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, meaning meaning it's not just limited to church. Such a name says it's not just limited to church. So if you're asking for your vision of any kind and you haven't built another man's vision, that's the wrong prayer because you're violating the principle and the precedent of Scripture. You're asking God to give you something that he already deemed illegal. All right? Let me get another scripture. Ephesians 6 and 5. It says bond servants. Now, bond servants, by the way, uh, there were two, several different kinds of servants uh, mentioned throughout the scripture. Servant of servants is in the Old Testament. That would be a Hebrew idiom for slave. Then you have uh, servants. Then you have bond servants. A bond servant was a servant that was released, that could go free, but decided to remain a servant. And so they, they had different customs that they would follow. So this is a servant who's chosen to be a servant. Meaning this is a servant who's chosen to give their life to service. So when it says bond servant, it's not just a, a regular servant. It's a servant that was released from whatever debt they owed that they were serving to pay off and then said, but I still want to serve. So watch what he says. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. That means do what, touch the name, say do what you're told. With fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to who? Christ, not with eye service. So eye service means people talk about it, but they don't walk it out. You ever heard people tell you stuff that sounded real good, but then when the rubber had to meet the road, all it was was some nice platitudes and some nice words? Let me, okay, let me prove to you. You'd have folks say, uh, I'm going to be with you to the end. And you took that to mean the end. They took that to mean to the end of the week. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me? Okay, watch this. People with eye service, watch this, watch this, watch this. Yeah, people, Bishop, I'm going to be with you to the end, sir. Matter of fact, that's code for me. I'm like, mark that one. Because I didn't ask that, so I'm curious as to who you answering that for. Be careful when people answer questions you didn't ask. Somebody asked it. That was totally free. Y'all miss when to shout. He says, not what I serve. It's not pretending. Touch your neighbor, sit on front. Front is an urban colloquialism, which means pretend. He said, don't pretend with eye service like, oh, you're going to really do something and not do it. Don't say, all right, I'm so excited to get it done. And then you walk away, <laughs> mumbling, grumbling, complaining. He says, you're doing that with eye service because you are, you're trying to be a man pleaser. He said, but do it as a bond servant of Christ doing the will of God from the what? Heart. And we understand heart in Greek, cardia from the mind, which means I do it with all of my mind. Look at verse 7. With good will, doing service as to who? The Lord and not to who? Which means everything I do, I need to treat it like I'm doing it for Jesus himself. Which means if I'm in charge of the water department, move, uh, moving the water moving department, I do it like I'm moving the water for Jesus. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying? If you work at McDonald's on the fry station, you fry them fries like, you fr like Jesus getting ready to eat your fry batch. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. See, the issue is, is that you, you think, well, I'll do it well when I get here. And Jesus says, no, you won't. If you don't do it down here, you ain't getting up there. Oh, God. And if you can't stand at the bottom and do it well with excellence at the bottom, you ain't going to the top. I ain't giving you nothing. 
which means you may not have everything you want, but God says you better take what you have and play it well. You might be driving a hoopty, but you better go get that hoopty washed, and you better go put some leather on it. You better shine it up and armor all it. Y'all not set. You might have seven people living in a two-bedroom, but you better make the best out of it. Get you some dividers. Make the best. Touch your neighbor and say, play the hand you've been dealt well. He says, because everything you do, do it like you're doing it for me. Because while your boss may not see you, while Bishop may not see you, God says, I'm watching you, and I'm sick of your trifling. Watch. He says, do it like you're doing it to the Lord. And not to people. Because sometimes we can justify why we have to do something because of the person we're doing it for. You ever have done something because of who you were doing it for? And maybe you were mad at who you were doing it for, so you were like, eh. Well, the scripture says, everything I do, I should do it like I'm doing it for Jesus. Which means if you're a student in school, he says, do your homework like Jesus is the teacher. Y'all see, y'all ain't going to say nothing. So you want a miracle to pass, how about you treated it seriously? Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. Verse 8, knowing that whatever good anyone does, watch this, he will receive the what? Same from who? The Lord. Knowing that whatever good, theft, anyone does, he will receive the same, watch this, not necessarily for who he did it for. See, the reason you keep getting hurt by people is because you do theft to them and they don't do theft back to you and then you get mad and say, I ain't doing theft no more. But God says, you do it to them like you're doing it to me and I'll be the one, God says, that pays your back. Stop looking for people to pay your back. I think I got some witnesses in here that when people do you wrong, won't God do you theft? He will receive the same from who? From the Lord. Which means this, whatever I make happen for my leader, God makes happen for me. Whatever you make happen for harvest, God makes happen for you. If you work a job, whatever you make happen for your supervisor, you start liking your job if you stop looking at it as a sentence and started looking at it as an assignment. Well, Bishop, it's so dark. Well, that explains why he sent you. He sent you because you are the light of the world. Yes, he sent you into a dark place because you're the one that's supposed to bring light. Stop complaining that you got to bring light. I thought you were the light. All right, watch this. Watch this. So praying for your own vision is what? It's the wrong prayer. Does anybody say it's the wrong prayer? Some of you just figured out why the visions you've been praying for in your life have never happened. Because your prayers have been illegal. You have asked for a withdrawal where there has been no seed. Instead, such a neighbor say instead, pray for and work to build a vision of your leader. Not just here at Harvest, but anywhere you're subject to leadership. And what you make happen for your leader, God will make happen for you. Bishop, what do you mean for your leader? Notice where the text started. The text started in Ephesians 6 and 5, bond servants and masters, leaders and followers. Did you catch that? If your vision hasn't happened, you just found out why. You're praying for something, and heaven says, we can't answer that. Because the way we answer that is when you build somebody else's. You're talking about you want your own business. Whose business have you built? Did you catch that? All right, number three. 
Y'all ready for this one? Praying for peace is the wrong prayer. But that's one of the top Christian prayers. Lord, just give me peace. Lord, just give me peace in the middle of the storm, Jesus, just like you gave when you spoke to the wind, Jesus. And you said, and you said peace be still, Lord. Jesus says, give us peace. Oh, yes, Lord. Doesn't anybody say that's the wrong prayer? Now, let me tell you why that's the wrong prayer. It's the storm that makes you spiritual. You know why you pray? Storms. You know why you, matter of fact, you know how you came to God? Most of us didn't come to God on the top of the mountain. Most of us came to God in the bottom of that valley. When you hit rock bottom to discover he is the rock at the bottom. I wish I had some people in here that would be honest. It was the hell you went through that made you spiritual. It wasn't your good days that made you find harvest. It was when you were at the worst moment of your life and you said, God, I need you. And it... Job 38.1 teaches us that God often speaks through life storms because storms are like ushers that position us. What does an usher do? An usher gets you to the right seat. Touch your neighbor to the right seat. Sometimes you can think you're into the, in the right seat. But that's only because you don't know what the creator knows. So sometimes what a storm does is just an usher. So when you came in the auditorium today, you may be like, no, nah, I'm going to sit over there. They'll be like, no, you're going to sit right here. <laughs> that's what a storm does. You're like, I'm going to do that. A storm is like, no, you're not. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. Can I tell you a secret? For some of you, your storm is what stopped you from self-destruction. Because you were on a path to self-destruct. And God, he sent a storm in your life. And rather than cursing the storm, you ought to say, thank you. Why am I thanking him? Because the storm saved my life. Now watch this, Job 38.1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, out of the storm. Which means then that God says there's some things you don't listen to without a storm. Let's be honest. You spiritual, but that neighbor of yours... Sometimes they need to get just knocked upside the head a couple of times, and then they listen. Parents, let me prove it to you. Have you ever tried one style of discipline with your children? And it became evident that that particular style of discipline was perhaps not as efficient as other styles of discipline. And so you enlisted other styles of discipline in accordance with your local, state, and federal laws. And then did you notice how you got a result out of that style of discipline? It's the same way with God. God is like, now, Bishop been trying to talk to you. The message been coming. Oh, you ain't listening? Okay. 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 Here go another CD. Here go another message. I said, you just ain't going to listen, huh? Okay. All right. Y'all, uh, cue the wind. Cue the lightning. Cue the thunder. Because I gave my life for them. So I'm not letting them go out like this. So if I got to send a storm to get them in order, I'll send a storm to get them in order. And somebody in here needs to holler, thank you for every storm he sent. Now watch, watch, watch. Storms blow out what can't stay. And they blow in what's necessary. Now watch this. This is why Philippians 4, 6 says this. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication is when you pray for other Christians. Touch your neighbor and say, I need your prayer today. 
with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Watch verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will change your situation. Nope, not what it says. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, is going to make the storm stop. Nope, that's not what it says. It says, and the peace of God, the shalom of God, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, all is well. Death of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, this is significant because it says hearts and minds. But when you say mind in the Greek, it's you are saying heart. When you say heart in the Greek, you are saying mind. So I would say minds and heart because there's a unique meaning here with these words. It means it guards your verdict and your conclusion. Because how many times have we made bad conclusions and come up to bad verdicts about situations in our life because of a storm? And so the storm started blowing, and you were like, oh, I guess life is going to be bad for me. Oh, I guess it ain't going to happen for me. And, and, and what the scripture says is don't pray for the situation to be peaceful. The scripture says pray about it, make your request known to God. Watch this. And it's going to guard your mind from making a bad conclusion and coming to a bad verdict or decision. Question, how many bad decisions have you made because of temporary problems, but the decisions were permanent? Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. I'm here to tell somebody you better be real careful in this season of your life that you do not make permanent decisions based on temporary storms. The storm will be over after a while, but that decision may linger afterward. So we don't pray for the situation to be peaceful. Even with Jesus, when they were in a storm, and the Bible says, Peter, they looked, at, they looked out on the water and they saw Jesus as a ghost. And then Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. Now, the question itself is interesting. If it's you, well, who is you? So you know it's me, but you want to play it safe. The opposite of faith isn't fear, it's certainty. You want to know, and he says, that ain't none of your business. Did you hear what I just said? He said, if it's you, tell me to come. He said, come on. He walks out on the water, which means he's walking out on the word. What's, what is he walking on? Come. So every step he took was on top of come. So when he's looking down at the fish, come. When you're going through trials and tribulations, but the word to you is surge, search. When it don't look like it's working for you and it looks like everything is going crazy, search. I'm walking on the word. Watch this. The scripture says he was doing good. Touch your neighbor say he was doing good. He was doing good and then all of a sudden, watch this, all of a sudden after he's doing good, the scripture says then the wind starts to go, which means a storm is coming. And when the storm came, he was afraid. And then he said, Lord, save me. And the Bible says he began to sink, which means he didn't sink instantly. He sank over time, which is a whole nother revelation I don't have time to teach because you ain't been sinking instantly. You've been sinking over time because you've been letting doubt come in your mind and you got to be able to sink. The situation may not be peaceful, but I got peace. It may be some of the most hellacious days of your life, but you got to say, I got peace. And it's guarding my mind, and it's guarding my verdict, and it's guarding my conclusion. Because what should the conclusion be? It's good. Well, Bishop, the doctor said, thank God for the doctor. What should your conclusion be? 
It's good means tough. Well, Bishop, we're going through some tight financial times right now. Just your neighbor say tough. I, I, I got to move on because I'm out of time. Number four, number four, number four, number four. Praying for strength is the wrong prayer. But that's like Christian, Christian prayer number one. In fact, this morning, some of y'all, that's what you pray. Lord, just give me strength. I need to tell you what you're actually doing because you, you're actually fighting God when you pray that. Bishop, I ain't never heard that. I know. For this reason was I sent. Praying for strength is the wrong prayer because when you're weak, he's strong. The Apostle Paul, now this is a man of God. This is a man of God that preached the entire gospel to the continent of Asia in two years and a few months. This was a bad man. Somebody say he's a bad man. Uh, this is the man that uh, created and planted many churches. This is the man that at one point used to criticize and used to persecute and even murder Christians. That now has become the very thing that he used to taunt and tease. Be careful when you taunt and tease Christians because you'll end up being one of us. Be careful when you talk about people that serve all the time and do this all the time. And go, oh, you will become one of us. Paul said uh, he talked about it and he taunted the Christians. And then he became the very thing that he taunted. And what's so interesting about it is now this man, somebody say he's a bad man. This was such a bad man that uh, he had the uh, healing virtue and all of these kinds of things. The spiritual gifts flowed through him. He planted many churches. He had many spiritual sons and daughters. But now he's got an undisclosed issue that he says was tormenting him. That's got to be a deep place to be in. That's got to be a conundrum of a place to be in. To where here it is, you can pray for other people to get through their stuff, and yet you got your own issue. You can pray other people out there messing, yet you got your own issue. You can get other people healed, yet you can't get yourself healed. He's in a situation now with an undisclosed issue that he says is tormenting him. And he pleads with God three times. How many times? Three times, and he says, Lord, please remove this. Now, we don't know what the issue is. It's an undisclosed issue. Some theologians believe that his vision was going dim and so that he wasn't able to see, but we don't know that factually. He just says that it was a messenger of Satan that was given to me to buffet me. It kept tormenting me. It kept messing with me. Every day, I woke up, and I felt like I had victory. Then I looked at it. I'm going to talk to somebody today. Every day I felt like I was surging. Then I looked over at it. I want to talk to some people. Well, you got an it that you've been looking at that's been tormenting you and that's been bothering you. And you got strength over here, but you got weakness over here. You feel powerful over here, but you got weakness over here. You got victory over here. But right there, there's an it. And Paul pleads with the Lord three times. How many times? And God's response is in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He says this, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect when you're weak. Which means you praying for strength keeps God out. Which explains why you've been so stressed. You've been so stressed because every time you pray for strength, he has to back up. Lord, just give me strength. And he sits there and looks at you like, okay, when? When are you going to get this to me? Doesn't ever say that's the wrong prayer. Don't pray for strength. Instead, when you're weak, when you feel tired, when you feel like you're five miles past empty, pray that Jesus in you would be strong because that's when the supernatural happens. The supernatural happens when you can't do no more and he steps in and takes over. I love Jesus because Jesus don't take sides. Jesus comes in and he utterly takes over. Touch your neighbor and say, stop praying for strength. 
Instead, when you feel tired, say, Jesus, in me, I thank you that you're strong. I don't know what to do, but I thank you that you're strong on the inside of me. I don't need to be strong in my own eyes. What's this? But there's more. Somebody say there's more. There's more to this principle because Joel 3.10 says this. It says, let the weak. Talk to me. Say again. So watch this. It doesn't say let the weak pray for strength. Now, there is an argument that could be made because technically everything that we say is a prayer. So you can make that argument uh, in a very abstract way. But the reality is, is the text says let the weak say it, not pray it. What's the significance of that? Is that when you feel weak, touch your neighbor and say, when you feel weak, and you might even have one of them moments today. Ain't it a trip how one moment, like at, at 5.05, you're like, whoo, surge, death. And at like 5.07, I'm just, Lord, I'm so tired. I just, then you pop in a CD and you good until like 6.30. And then at like 6.32, oh my God, I just don't know, I don't know, oh my God. When you feel weak, what did Joel tell you to say? He said, say I'm strong. So here's what you do. You say, I'm graced for this. What does that mean? Is that in my weakness, he's given me his grace and he told me his grace is sufficient, which means I'm graced for this. When you feel weak, say to yourself, I have what it takes. When you feel weak, say to yourself, I was made for this. When you feel weak, say to yourself, for this reason was I sent. Does not neighbor say? say? Say, say I'm strong. I didn't really like the way that neighbor talked. Try the other neighbor. Say, say I'm strong. Now, watch this. Lord, give me strength. God says, listen, when you, when you decrease, I'll increase. There, 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 there's an old Chinese proverb that says, you cannot fill a cup that's full. Because everything you pour in, it's just going to waste. And so what happens is God says, I've been waiting on you to get to the end of you. I've been waiting on you to say I'm weak. Because finally, I can be strong. I back away when you want to run the show. But when you invite me to run the show, Jesus, take the wheel. Touch your neighbor and say, won't he take the wheel? Now, I didn't say nothing crazy right there. Okay. All right, watch this. Fifth thing, and I'm through. Fifth thing, and I'm through. I know I got to go get you to brunch. <laughs> Number five, praying inconsistently is the wrong way to pray. Praying inconsistently is the wrong way to pray. Here's what happens. We pray for something on Sunday. Storm challenges what you pray Sunday night. By Monday, you ain't praying for it no more. Come on, let's be honest. How many of y'all, that's what you've done that? You know, but if it wasn't Sunday, oh, can you understand the point I'm making? Yours might have been a Thursday through Saturday, but it's just the point. All right? All right? Now watch this. Watch this. Touch your name and say, stop that. Consider this. Consider this. God told the children of Israel, I'm through. God told the children of Israel, he said, go take the land. It's yours. Touch your name and say, that's good news. Here's the trip, though. But he said, now you're going to have to fight for it, though. But now, wait a minute. I thought it was mine. It is. Why do I have to fight? Because what costs you nothing 
is treated the same way. So if I just give it to you, you'll squander it off. But if you have to fight, not for the victory, but from the victory, when you get there, you ain't going to let no knucklehead, no fool, no sorry get you up out of it. He says, so I've given you the land, but go fight for it. Go take it. Joshua, the land is, is yours, Joshua. Go take it. You're going to have to conquer some kings, though. Well, Lord, well, Lord, why do we have to fight? Don't be scared. It's yours. Says the neighbor, say, it's yours. So here's what happens. Here's what you understand. When a fight comes, too many of us interpret that as stop. When we should interpret that as push. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Too many of us, when trouble comes, we interpret that as it ain't working. It's bad. When we should interpret that as tough, it's good. Y'all not, y'all not, y'all not, y'all not sending because how much have you forfeited because you wouldn't fight because you gave up before the fight began? I said that to them this morning at 9.15. I said, heaven's got stuff laid up for you that every time you were getting ready to break through, you broke down. And so there's stuff, heaven's like, we, be, we got years worth of stuff. We got stuff from 84. But every time you got ready to break through it, you didn't break through, you broke down. But I want to speak it into somebody's life today that your days of breaking down are over right here and right now. And I speak it into your life. You better shout, I receive this. I speak it into your life. You ain't breaking down this time. You ain't quitting this time. You are not failing. The spirit of failure is broken over you over your life and over your bloodline somebody holler this time this time you're not breaking down you're going to break through and there's a word for that it's called a let me get you this final point I got to get you out of here Acts 12 and 5 praying inconsistently is the wrong way to pray now just because opposition comes doesn't mean you stop opposition is opportunity Got it? More problems mean more promise. Did you catch that? <laughs> I'm going to say something. I ain't got time. Acts 12, 5. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. Now, here is Peter, a man of God, who's been put in prison unjustly by Herod. Because Herod saw that it pleased the Jews. So to please people, he did this man wrong. Peter's in prison. He's a man of God. On one day, 3,000 people got saved when this man preached. He didn't have no mic system. He had no screens. He didn't have no internet campus. Didn't have no Roku. Didn't have no building. Didn't have a mic. He got up and preached, which tells me that there was something in those people that drew something out of him that transformed the city in one message. I'm telling you, I hope it's y'all. I got to do what I'm called to do. I hope it's y'all, though. Because if there's a people that would get hungry and get behind the vision. But now this man is kept in prison. 
So that's a prolonged problem. But watch this. Constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. He's got a prolonged problem, but they were constantly praying. Which means the more resistance I get, that's foolish to do to me. Because the harder I'm going to pray. And that's the same way you got to pee. The more pressure you feel, that's the harder you got to press back. The more difficult it looks, that's the harder you got to press back. Because they kept him in prison. But look, but constant prayer. The answer to his prolonged problem was what? Constant prayer. Some of you say, well, Bishop, it ain't happened for me yet. Because God says you're inconsistent with your prayer. And that's the wrong way to pray. Watch this. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by who? The church. Touch your neighbor and say, we are the church. Which means in about five minutes, there's some stuff we're going to pray that's going to manifest in your life. Because there's power when we pray corporately. Next verse. And when Herod was about to bring him out, to do what to him? Probably embarrass him, maybe even kill him. When they were about to bring him out, that night, Peter was sleeping. That night. Why does the Bible take the time to record night? Why didn't he just say he was asleep? Why didn't he just tell us it was night when he was sleeping? Because there's a principle. Weeping. It might have been a long night in your life. And I don't know who I'm preaching to. Maybe your night has been the last five years of your life. Maybe your night has been the last five weeks of your life. But weeping only endures for a night. But somebody ought to holler, John! The scripture says it comes in the morning, so he's sleep bound with two chains. That's where two chains came from. He's bound with two chains. I'm going to come back over here. I like this section. He's bound with how many chains? Now, why do you need two chains to hold down one man? Why isn't one good enough on his wrist, his leg? But not only that, keep reading. Between what? Two soldiers. One man, two chains, two soldiers. And guards before the door are keeping the prison, which tells us just how much they feared Peter. When you see all the stuff coming against you, stop getting depressed about it. Look at it and say, I must be a threat. Maybe I'm not so jacked up. Maybe there's more power in me. What is it that hell knows about you that you don't know about yourself? Why do you need four men and two chains? Just your neighbor say, you don't have a clue who you're sitting next to. Let me prove it to you. When your mama met your daddy, you beat a million just getting here in the first place. You had to be born for such a time as this. You ain't no accident. That's why you couldn't be aborted. That's why that car accident couldn't kill you. God said, I need you here, and I need you here now. Ah. Look, they got all of that to protect one man. Which tells you who was scared. When David went to fight Goliath, who had the armor on? Goliath. Who was scared? I wish something in you would rise up this week to say, I ain't going to be scared this week. I ain't going to walk in fear this week. I ain't going to walk in doubt this week. Why? If you need two chains and four dudes to hold me back, evidently you scared. I'm through. Look, verse 7. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. Here he is. How many chains? How many, how many dudes? 
At least four, because it said guards. We don't know how many were outside. Could have been more, which would tell you they were just that much more scared. That's why the Jews had to find a way to kill Jesus, because they were scared of him. When people talk about you, they're... When people try to set you up and make up stuff about you, stop. It's because they're... And just look and shake your head and say, it's good. Tell. <laughs> oh, you think that's going to stop me? You better be like Paul. Baby, they done done everything they could have done to me to stop me. And if you think this little snake is going to stop, you must not know about me. I was not built to. I got to finish. I got to close. Here he is. Two chains, at least four guards. And the Bible says the angel of the Lord comes and stands behind him. The angel was almost there to say to him, good job. You had a prolonged problem, but what fixed it? Constant prayer. And a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side. Okay, wait wait a minute. Touch your neighbor on their shoulder in a very Christian-like way. And say, get up. And he struck Peter on the side. And raised him up. And he said to Peter, arise quickly. Get up from this prolonged problem and get up quickly. Adam, you made some mistakes, but get up quickly. Prodigal son, you made some mistakes, but get up quickly. He said, arise quickly. There's another word. There's another word for get up quickly. You know what that word is? That word is, he said, you better surge, boy. Touch your neighbor and say, you better surge. And once he got up, watch this. Then his chains fell off his hands. Now that's interesting because that now tells us that the chains weren't on his feet. Which means even though he couldn't seemingly make any progress, he still had a dance. He still had a shout. He still had a praise. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. He was in this prolonged problem, but I bet you Peter was just in there. Y'all not going to say nothing to me. Y'all not going to say. You better learn how even if you are in the midst of a prolonged problem, that I'm going to dance my way up out of this. I'm going to shout my way up out of this. Touch your neighbor say, dance up out of this. Bishop, that don't make sense. I know it don't make no sense for the weapons of our warfare. They are not carnal, but they are mighty to God for the pulling down of stronghold. My praise is a weapon. Got to close, though. Then the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. He said, put your clothes on, boy. He said, we're getting ready to come up out of this. He said, you were too comfortable in this prolonged problem. This was temporary. Why did you make permanent? He says, put your clothes on and come follow me. And look at verse 9. So he went out and followed him. You read the rest. Wait a minute. Because of constant and consistent prayer, when what they had been praying for happened, He thought it wasn't even real. You better get ready because over these next few months, I'm preaching to somebody. You're going to say, that's too good to be true. And God is going to say, no, it's not. That's a... 
I don't believe it. You better believe it because you paid for it already. You got seed in the ground. You got tears in the ground. You got labor in the ground. You... He thought he was dreaming. It was all a dream. Watch. I, if I had time, can I borrow three minutes? I got to get you to brunch. It's going to be crowded anyhow, so you get there right on time. Look at verse 10. And when they were past the first and second guard post that came to Iron Gate, the least of the city was open to them of its own accord. I didn't get time to deal with this last experience. <laughs> they came to a gate. God said, I'm upgrading you from doors. You want to open door. God said, I'm going to give you the gate. And you know what the gate is? It's the gate to the city. Ah, trust your neighbor. Say, it's going to be bigger and better than you ever thought it would be. Now unto him that does exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. And notice the gate opened by itself. When they kept on praying consistently, they didn't have to go wish and pray and they didn't have to pay this one and do that. They stepped up to the gate and the gate, somebody holler, open sesame. And the reason you go open sesame is because God has been teth to me. Somebody holler teth. The gate opened on its own accord, and they went down, and they went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Verse 11, come on, we gotta move real quick. And when Peter had come to himself, wait a minute, this whole time Peter's like, this is a dream. Look what he says. I know for certain that the Lord sent an angel to deliver me from Herod and all the expectation of the Jewish people. The Jews expected Peter to fall. They expected Peter to fail. But the Lord said, listen, if you'll pray consistently, I'll deliver you from the negative expectations. See, there's some people that hoping you fail, wishing you fail. They ain't praying for you. They P-R-E-Y. They praying on you. But God says, listen, if you'll pray how? Consistently and constantly I'll deliver you from their expectations watch this what if your expectation is the expectation you need to be delivered from because if you didn't know it Peter was a Jew himself y'all not gonna say nothing to me so when it says end up the Jewish people Peter was included in the Jewish people which means God says I need to deliver you from your own low expectations for some of you the reason you keep hitting it is because you aim too low in the first place And you weren't created to succeed at average. You weren't created to succeed at being a failure. You weren't created to succeed at being at the bottom. Verse 12. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, and the people were gathered together. What they were, what, what, what? I was going to go deep south. What they were doing? <laughs> what were they doing? They were doing what? Watch this next verse. Come on real quick. I'm over time. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, Rhoda came to get the dough. You got to be careful who you let out answer your dough. Look what she do. Look at verse 14. When Peter, when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she didn't even open the gate. She's like, Pete. And Peter's like, you just finna leave me standing out here? She ran and announced that Peter stood at the gate. Look at verse 14. Now, what had the church been praying for? His release. 
Okay, next verse. But they said to her, you're crazy. Now, wait a minute. They had been praying for this. And when it happened, they said, you're crazy. There's no way it happened for you. And I'm here to tell somebody, you better get used to people saying you're crazy and you're beside yourself because if you pray constantly and consistently, what's getting ready to manifest in your, they're going to say you're beside yourself. There's no way that happened for you. But I think there's somebody in here that knows what that's called. That's called a. So they said, it ain't Peter. That's Peter's angel, baby. Bless your heart. Be encouraged, darling. Look at verse 16. Peter kept on knocking. He probably did the police knock. You know the police knock. And you cut the TV off like somehow that's going to fix it. Don't y'all look at me with that tone of face. Bishop, I'm unfamiliar. Thank you. Amen. You do the same thing when they pull up behind you, turn the radio down, like that's going to change something. Like. And they were what? Now, Peter kept on knocking. Get some opportunities, God says. Hello! I'm at the door. You prayed for me. And when they opened the door, they saw him. They were what? Astonished. Their constant and consistent prayer created something that seemed unreal. I'm going to tell you, as a Christian, we pray for something once. Then every time thereafter, we thank God for it. We don't pray for things twice. This is what he means. So the first time we pray, I did this this morning, I'm through. Say, say Lord. No, Father, this is a sample prayer, okay? A sample, got it? Say, Lord. I just want to make it clear. Because you'll go home and you have a lot of water in your house. I, just want, I don't want that to happen, so I just want to make it clear. Because when I pray, stuff happens. So I just, okay. So I'm just, I got to fix it. So you don't go home and the floodgates beat it open. I sure got what I asked for. All right, now, watch this. Now, just sample prayer. Say, Lord, the Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for and I receive water in how many ounces? A 16-ounce harvest brand water. Now, did you notice how specific and strategic I was? Because if you just pray for water, it'll rain, and God will be like, that's what you asked for. Now, if I pray this today, I don't come back on Monday and say, Father, good God, merciful King, our Father. Okay, Lord, please let me have some water. No, if I pray for it twice, the second prayer becomes unbelief. Because I'm saying to him, well, you didn't hear it the first time because you didn't do it. So I don't pray for it again. Now, on Monday, if that was Sunday's prayer, Monday is, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you that I received my water and my 16-ounce harvest brand bottle. In Jesus' name, A to the men. Now, when the storm comes, Father, I thank you. <laughs> when they tell you it's a drought and ain't nobody else getting no water, <laughs> Father, <laughs> I thank you. 
that I've received my water and my 16-ounce Harvest Brand bottle. Did you catch that? When you pray to be debt-free and they say, you owe us more money, more money, more money, more money. Father, I thank you that I am debt-free. In Jesus' name. When you pray for healing and the doctor says it doesn't look good, thanks, doc. Thanks, doc. You keep that to yourself, sir. Keep that right over there. No, keep that. Ah, ah, keep that right. Don't tell nobody. Don't you call nobody. Keep that. Keep that right over there. Father, I thank you that healing is a children's prayer. When I prayed to be healed, I was healed. Now, it may not manifest as fast as I want, but that's what I prayed for. And I thank you that it's manifested. When the doctor says it's getting worse, oh, no, it ain't tough. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. It's getting better. You a lie. Why? Because I'm consistent and I'm constant in my prayers. Did you get that today? Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, you've heard the message that's been ministered to your people. Now, give them the grace to walk it out today. We honor you and bless you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.